0: chapter 6, verse 11. Now, last Sunday, if you weren't able to make it last Sunday, I started a a, a three-sermon series on three keys to living a victorious Christian life. Three keys to living a victorious Christian life. And I'm kind of building off what Brother Ingasath was going for when he was down here teaching. And I want to show you that this this is really important to understand, spiritually speaking. Because I know as a Christian, when I first... uh, Accepted Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior boy. I couldn't live it and you can't live it and I had all kinds of problems I had sins and then of course the more sins I did the more I started thinking man I, I don't know if I'm even a Christian. you start doubting if your salvation you start doubting if you're even a Christian and what I Didn't understand that, that what had happened was yes. I'm born again. Yes I have the Holy Spirit living in me, but now I have the Holy Spirit and the flesh so it's a spirit versus the flesh So before, I was just living in the flesh. Now I'm born again. Now I'm a new creature in Jesus Christ. But the old man's not dead. He's still walking around. This is the old man. You're looking at him right here. And he's wicked. And we found out last week when we studied this out, if you want to live a victorious life, you've got to reckon this old man is dead. He's crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, I, nevertheless, I'm dead, but nevertheless, I live through Jesus. It's Jesus Christ living through me. And once you recognize that, you start living that victorious life and realizing, I recognize I'm dead now. I'm dead to sin. I don't have to sin. I'm not a prisoner to sin. And that was the first key to victory. We found out last Sunday was you need to live a life of reckoning. Reckoning, I reckon, I assume, I, I've thought it out. I reckon that I'm dead. A life of reckoning that this body's dead, but I got a new life in Jesus Christ. And we finished up last Sunday where Christ, Jesus Christ, told us, uh, pick up your cross daily and follow me. It's a life of crucified life, a life of crucifixion, a, life of, uh, uh, a crucified life where you're, every day you're taking this flesh, you're putting it up on the cross, you're reckoning it's dead, and you're living new for Jesus Christ. And He's living it through you. So look at uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 11. And in that life of reckoning, what we, we recognized here, and look at verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead, indeed, indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So this morning I want to preach on a life of yielding. See there in verse 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. I want to show you this morning you're going to, you need to live a life of yielding. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray, Father, that your words... Will be brought forth, Lord God. I pray, Father, you'll hide me behind the cross, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you'll bless the hearers, Lord God, that we wouldn't only be hearers, Lord, but we'd be doers of your word. And, Father, I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit will move among us, leading, guiding, directing us, Lord God. I pray, Father, that it'll be like holy manna come down, Lord. You would feed us this morning, Lord. Feed us, feed your sheep, Lord. And I thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives, Lord. And I thank you for your salvation we have in Jesus Christ, Lord. In Jesus Christ' holy name, I pray. Amen. You know, you got a pretty good deal in Jesus Christ. <laughs> you not only got salvation, you not only got an eternal life up in heaven, which is a great thing to have, amen. You're saved from hell. That's good enough. But not only is he saving you from hell, he says, I'm saving you from hell. I'm going to give you a new life, and I'm going to live it for you. And we forget about that last part. We know we're saved, we know we're not going to hell, we know we're going to heaven, but we forget that Jesus Christ now wants to live through us and produce fruit through us. He's going to produce the fruit, not me and you. Verse 11, For likewise reckon ye also yourselves dead to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We found out last week it's a life of exchange, not change. You're not trying to change yourself. You're not trying to live a life of change like, well, I'm going to change and not do this. I'm going to stop doing that. No, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm dead. Now Christ has given me a new life. I've exchanged my old sinful life. I've exchanged my old sinful king. now I'm a new creature in Jesus Christ. I've exchanged all my sins for Jesus Christ's righteousness. And now I'm living in His righteousness. Not I, but Christ is living. I reckon that I'm dead, and I'm dead indeed to sin. I don't owe sin anything. I'm dead to sin. So verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Who's reigning your life? Are you letting the Lord Jesus Christ reign your life? Or are you letting your flesh reign your life? Who's your king? Amen. Well, is he your, is your king, or are you just saying that with your words? Are you living a life like Jesus is your king, or are you living a life where sin is your king? Verse 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. You once were dead, and now you're alive. And you need to yield yourselves. This victorious life, the second key to living a victorious life is a life of yielding. It's not yielding unto sin, but yielding unto God. Y- yielding is defined as when you come to a meeting place, when you come to a place where two people meet, one of them's got to yield. One of them's got to yield. And when you come to a meeting place in your life, where you come to a decision in your life, you need to yield It means yield is defined as stopping and let somebody else go. Amen? We all understand, anybody in this room that drives a car understands that concept of coming to a yield sign and say, I need to yield to this oncoming traffic, or I need to yield to the right, or I need to yield to the ramp, I need to yield. In other words, I stop and let them go. And when Brother Ingesap was up here teaching and preaching, one of the things he taught, and prod, uh, uh, he taught on, and he showed us, and he had the big billboard up here, and it said he had that let God and let go. And the guy had wrote down, he had figured it out that he needed to let God, and he sat there and let God, wrote it down on the big old, and put it up on his, on his wall his, of his room, and he left the room mad because he couldn't figure out how to live for God, and he came back in, he had slammed the door, and when he came back in, that D had fell off, and then it said just let go. And we're talking about that, let go and let God. That's where this comes from. It's yielding and stopping and saying, okay, I can either let my sin take control or I can let God. And you're always better to let God. So you just need to let God, let go and let God, let God have his way. You're either every day, every moment of the day, you're either yielding to sin or you're yielding to God. You're either stopping and saying, okay, I'm going to yield to sin and let sin take control, or I'm going to yield right here and I'm going to let God take control. And let Him work it and let Him use it. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. That's what you're doing, but yield yourselves unto God. As those that are alive from the dead, as, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Look at verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. You're no longer dominated by sin, Christian. You're no longer dominated by that stuff. You are not dominated. You're not under bondage. You're not under control. You're broke free. Jesus Christ has freed you from that sin. You don't have to yield to it. You don't have to stop for it. You can put it behind you. You're dead to it. Now Jesus Christ is going to live it for you. Man, that's that's such a wonderful, beautiful part of the gospel. And, and get this, guys. Get this if you get anything. The beautiful part of the gospel is, okay, Jesus Christ, not only did he pay for my sins, which is going to get me into heaven, but now he wants to live that life through me. The life that I can't live, that sinless life, that righteousness, that you can't do it. No, you can't, but Christ through you can. That's what this is. It's a life of reckoning. It's a life of yielding. It's a life of saying, I'm not dominated by sin anymore. It doesn't have a domination on me. Does it, do I sin? Yes. Do I make mistakes? Yes. But it's not dominating me. It just, I'm not under bondage. Verse 15 What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Hey, we're under grace. You got your sins paid for. Does that mean we just go out and start sinning and living like a sinner? God forbid, Paul says. Just because our sins are paid for, just because we're living under grace, we're not under the law, don't mean we have a right to sin. He says, God forbid. But look at verse 16. This is why he says this. Guys, look, read it with me. Verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of sin, Obedience unto righteousness. Whoever you're letting run your life, that's who you're a servant to. Whoever you're letting run your life, it goes back to that king. If you're letting sin run your life, then sin is your king. It's reigning over you, it's your king, it's dominating you, and you're its servant. But if you allow Jesus Christ to run your life, Jesus is your king, Jesus is dominating you, and you're a servant of Jesus Christ. I've been a servant of sin, and it has not been good. <laughs> it wasn't good. And I've been a servant of Jesus Christ. I've yielded my life and allowed Jesus Christ to work through me. And man, what's a, what a better life that is. Verse 17, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. You obeyed from the heart. In your heart, you believe that Jesus Christ was your Lord and Savior. In your heart, you believe He died for your sins. You obeyed that doctrine. And now you look at verse 17, but God be but that you were the servants of sin. See, you were, the ser- you were the servant of sin. If you're in here this morning, you're not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. Your king is sin, and you're a servant of sin, and you're in bondage of sin. You might not think that. You might think you're living a free life and you're not, you don't have any, you're not in bondage to anybody else, but the Bible's real clear about it. You're in bondage to sin. Just like you make fun of me, like you Christians are following Christ. You don't have any fun. Yeah, I'm a servant to Christ. But you're a servant to sin. And the truth is you're a servant of the devil and the world. It's one or the other. It's only one or the other. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. It's black and white. It's just There's no gray area with God. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. You're not going to ride the fence in God's kingdom. You're not going to say, well, i will step one world over here and let the sin be my king. And I'm going let Jesus be my king. Jesus Christ said, you can't serve two masters. You're going to serve the one or you're going to hate the, hate the other. You're going to hate the one and serve the other. You've got to pick one. Pick your side, Joseph. Joseph. Jo- jo- uh, Hosea said, pick a side. Just pick a side. Joshua said, pick one or the other. Pick you this day which one you'll choose. Either God or those gods you served on the other side of the flood. But pick one. But as far as me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Amen. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, yield yourself to God. Let Him work through you. And stop yielding yourself to God unrighteousness, yielding yourself to sin because you don't have to. Verse 18, look, being then made free from sin you became the servant uh, servants of righteousness. You're not a prisoner anymore. you're free. <laughs> Praise God. You're only sinning because you want to. You don't have to, you want to. You're letting your, you're yielding and allowing your flesh to do that. You don't have to because Christ is living in you now you don't have to do that. This is not a popular preaching among the Baptists because us Baptists, we believe, you know, you're saved, you're saved by grace, amen, you're eternally secure, amen, and then it, it, no, now we're we're looking for heaven, but the point is, is that once you're saved, you don't have to sin, I'm reading it to you, you don't have to, yield, you want a victorious life? You want a life of victory in Jesus Christ? You're going to have to live it with a life of reckoning. You've got to reckon yourself dead, and you're going to have to live a life of reckoning, of yielding, and knowing, hey, I'm either going to choose to yield to sin or yield to God, and I think I'll yield to God because I'm not a, I'm not a prisoner of sin anymore. Being then made free from sin. You know, I was reading a story about this uh, prisoner. He was down, it happened in Texas years and years ago. They brought all the prisoners in and had a big meeting in this in this prison house. And they brought the governor of Texas in. The governor of Texas came in and he, he, he mentioned this guy's name that was sitting up on the front. And he goes, I got some good news for you, John. I think the guy, I don't know what the guy's name was. John, you're a free man. I'm giving you a pardon. And boy, the prisoners all cheered. Woo! They were all clapping and excited. And that guy was just, he was in tears. He couldn't believe he was pardoned. He was a free man. Well, about that time they got done, the warden came in and said, Okay, y'all guys, all y'all guys line up. Let's go back. Everybody get up. All the prisoners got up and they got in line to start getting back into the to go to go to their cells and everything. And that one, that guy that was just pardoned, he went over there and he got in line. And they came over there and the warden and said, John, you're free. You don't have to get in line anymore. Come on. He, he, couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't believe it. It was so so unreal to him that he just said, okay, well, I'll get back. No, you're living a new life now. You've been pardoned. Christian, you've been freed. You're not in prison anymore. You're not with the world anymore. Jesus Christ says, come on, man, I'm giving you a new life, and I'm going to live it for you. Let's go. You're free from sin. Praise God. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. Verse 19, For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. Verse 19 is very important. He says, Now remember, because of the infirmity of your flesh, the sinfulness of your flesh, this flesh that you're living in, you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity. There was a time that you were yielding yourself to sin. You were yielding yourself to uncleanliness, unrighteousness. You were doing all those things you shouldn't do, and you were yield, you were allowing your body to do that, and you allowed your flesh to do whatever it wanted to do. Because that was your servant, and that you were a servant of that sin, and you were it's he he was your master and your king. But he says there in verse 19, in the middle of verse 19, look at this. Even so now, even so now, Paul's saying, I'm gonna show you a better way. Now, you know how you yielded yourself to sin and you were a sinner and you lived in sin and you didn't care about living clean? Now, I'm telling you now, even so now, yield your members' servants to righteousness. So how you were living in sin and you were a servant to sin and you were yielding to sin, he goes, even so now, here's a better way to live. Now you need to be obedient and yield yourself unto righteousness. Let me ask you a question this morning, Christian. Where is your righteousness? Who's your righteousness? Jesus Christ. Amen? You're standing and standing before God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not in my own righteousness. Amen? But in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now you're standing, and I talked this last Sunday, you're standing in his righteousness, his goodness, his, his life. You're standing in his life. And he's saying, uh, he's saying there, even so now yield your members, servants. To righteousness, unto holiness. If you're in his righteousness and his life, then his life is, he's living it through you and doing it through you. Look at verse 20. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. See that verse 20, guys? That's, this stuff here is so. I could preach on this for three hours, and I'm not going to, praise the Lord, but I could. Because what he's saying there in verse 20 is this. When you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. When you were a sinner and your king was sin and your king and you were a child of the devil, nobody expected you to do right. uh, My wife, we went out to the lake and we were out at the lake and we went swimming out the lake and there were a lot of people out there. You know what I heard? More cussing than I've ever heard, more foul language. More, I mean, some of the nastiest stuff I ever heard. And you know what I thought? That's what, they, that's what they do. They don't expect nothing else out of each other. That husband doesn't expect his wife to talk any different, and that wife doesn't expect the husband to talk any, because they're all servants of sin. But if they found out I was a preacher or my wife is a Christian, and we walked out of that water and we went blankety blank, you're not supposed to talk that way. Why? Because I'm not a servant of that wick, wicked, filthy, nasty sin like you. I'm a, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And now I'm expected to act different. And talk different. And walk different. Because now I'm a, I'm a child of a king. You're the child of the devil. You're expected to act that way. Verse 24, when ye were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Nobody expects him to do good. And when they do, it's a miracle. Y'all getting it? Before I was saved, nobody expected me to act. Everybody expected me to talk the way I talked, and that's the way I talked. But as soon as I accepted Jesus Christ and got saved, my friends expected me to act a certain way. Why? Because I was no longer a servant of sin. I was a servant of Jesus Christ. One of my good friends I grew up with, he found out I was a preacher, started trying to preach. You know what he said? With a mouth like that? He knew me. He knew me a lot, lot better than a lot of you guys. And He knew I was foul-mouthed, sorry, no good. But I, that's, that's the old kigan. I reckon that old man has been crucified with Christ. That old Kigan, he's dead. I reckon he's dead. I'm a new man in Jesus Christ. A life of reckoning. And now I started living a life of yielding. I used to le- yield to sin. I used to yield to unrighteousness. But now because Jesus Christ is my king, I yield to him and allow him to go and to work it through me. Verse 21, look at this. Woo, this will hit home. This will really hit home. What fruit had ye then and those things whereof ye are now ashamed for the end of those things is death. You know what Paul just says? Hey, you remember when you were a sinner living out in the world like that? He goes, what kind of fruit did you have? Was your family a lot happier? (laughs) I doubt it. Were you a lot happier? What was it like getting home at about 3 o'clock in the morning, waking up the next morning and throwing up around the toilet when you have been drinking all night long, had a headache that was just bunk, bonk, bonk? What kind of life was that? Getting into drugs, waking up and going, waking up in bed and going, who's that? Chewing your arm off so you won't wake them up. Wolf ugly. What kind of life was that? Are you ashamed of that? I know I am. We got anybody ashamed of their past sins? I know I am. Are we having any sinners in here? Boy, it's kind of quiet. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm preaching to the choir. I'm sorry, guys. I, maybe I'm the one that's done any kind of sins. For th- the end of those things is death. It is death. It was leading to death. It's going to lead to death. But now being made free, you're free. And boy, Jesus Christ says, when you're free, you're free indeed. indeed. Whoop. When the son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. You're free, Christian. You don't have to worry about sin. But now being made free from sin and become service to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. So you're trying to live a life of yielding. And hang with me and I'll show you. This is is pretty amazing stuff because it's beautiful. 1 John chapter 4. You're going to live a life of yielding. You want a victorious life in Christ? You want to live a life of reckoning? Hey, I'm dead. I'm dead to sin. Now I'm not going to yield myself to sin anymore. You want to live a life of yielding? I'm not yielding to sin anymore. I'm going to yield to God, to Jesus Christ, and allow Him to work. I'm not going to go in front of God. I'm going to let him go. Stupidest! Uh, I've seen some pretty stupid bumper stickers. The stupidest one I've ever seen was one that said, God is my co-pilot. God is my co-pilot. Like, you moron. <laughs> yeah, sit back here, God. I'll drive us. <laughs> no, no, God is the pilot. Yeah. Sit at the back. Let God drive. You get in the back. You've already messed your life up for 30 something years. Now you're saved. You're going to let Him ride with you? No, let Him drive. What's that country, that girl, that country singer that sings, Jesus, take the wheel or whatever? That's some good stuff. I don't know about the rest of the psalm. I'd be stupid, but that's, that's good. Let Jesus take the wheel. You get in the back. Stop che- treating Jesus and God like they're spare tires in your life. Like you're driving along and boom, oh, something bad happens in life. I want to get out and get the spare tire of Jesus. And you're going to get Jesus and put him on in your life for a little while and drive until you get life fixed up and then you take the spare tire and put it back in the trunk and then life's supposed to go on. Jesus is not your spare tire. Jesus and God's not your ATM. That when you need something, just go and just, just punch it in and let God give me the money. It don't work that way. But Christians, a lot of Christians treat God that way. God wants to be your king. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to rule over you. You've got to yield and allow him to do that. And when, he, when he, you do, you'll live a victorious Christian life. Can I tell you a story about some drunks? <laughs> I love telling drunk stories. I, 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 I know the names, but I better not tell them. Yeah, I, I've told this story before. Junior and they both passed away and went on to be with the Lord. They both saved. They got saved, but they told this story that Junior and Brother, uh, can't think of his name right now, Brother Stanley Reynolds, Brother Stanley, Brother Stanley, Brother, uh, brother Junior, they both were drinking, they are out, been drinking a lot, been driving, they're driving down the road, driving down the road, all of a sudden, BOOM! They hear, they hear the tire go, explode, BOOM! Uh, 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 uh. Junior says, man, he's taking that car, that car's getting off the road, and he, uh, and he finally pulls it over, and Brother Stanley says, man, that's a good job of driving, They get out. It was a spare tire blown in the back. (laughs) Uh, If you want to be a drunk, that's the kind of stories people are going to tell tell on you right there. 1 John chapter 4 verse 9. 1 John chapter 4 verse 9. John tells us, And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world. Look, the end of verse 9. That we, that's you Christians, might live through Him. So what I'm going to, and you're about, I'm about to turn you to some scripture, and then we're really gonna, we're going to hit home, and then we're gonna, what, we're try, what I'm trying to show you in this teaching, this three-week teaching, what I'm trying to show you is, Jesus Christ wants to work through you. You don't do it. You let Jesus Christ do it for you. And I'm about to show you this in Scripture, but basically He's working through you. In other words, instead of saying, I'm going to allow my flesh to see if it can do this deed that Jesus Christ wants you, you say, no, I'm not yielding to the flesh. I'm not, that flesh is dead. I reckon it's dead. Jesus Christ is living in me. i got a new life in Christ. I'm going to yield to Him. I'm going to allow Him to do it for me. You want, what the Christian wants to happen is this. A Christian wants Jesus Christ to manifest out of your body. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let me show you. I spoke it, I said it, now let me show you scripture for it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Turn there please. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You are trying to, as a Christian, you're trying to, Get out of the way, count yourself dead, yield yourself to Christ, stop trying to do and allow Christ to do, and allow Him to manifest out of you. The greatest accomplishment any Christian can have is when somebody sees Jesus Christ in them. You don't want people to see you. I don't, want people, I don't want people to see Kigan. I want people to see Jesus Christ in Kagan. I don't want Kigan to get in the glory. I don't want Kigan to get any kind of uh, accolades. I want Jesus Christ to get all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. And in the end, I'll say, thank you, Lord Jesus. I think that's why the Lord calls, the Bible says, he calls some of the weak The beggarly to be preachers. He calls some of us, because, I mean, if you know my background, you'll know the only reason, yeah, Jesus gets all the glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. Let's read it together. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. What's he talking about there? Well, what I've been preaching on. Crucified. How did Jesus die? He was crucified. What are you bearing about? You're bearing about your cross. You're, you're living a crucified life. Why? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. There it is. You want it manif- Manifest means brought out. You want Jesus Christ to be seen in you. You want Jesus Christ to work through you. You want Jesus Christ to do these things. Verse 11, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. We're always being crucified. We're reckoning ourselves dead, right? It's a life of reckoning. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Getting it? Verse 10 10 says, Jesus manifests in our body. Verse 11, Jesus manifests in our mortal flesh. We as Christians are trying to get out of the way, yield to Christ, reckon ourselves dead so Jesus Christ can work through us. How does He do that? It's called the Holy Spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, we're about to turn to Galatians chapter 5. If you want to go ahead and start turning there, this is where we're going to end today. We're going to end in Galatians chapter 5. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to back off and allow the Holy Spirit to work out of you and to do the things that God wants done because if you allow the flesh to work, it's bad, man. It's really, really bad. When you yield to the flesh, I'm telling you, like Paul said, you're going to do some things that's going to shame yourself. That's what scares me about the world we live in. The world we live in, nobody's ashamed anymore. They're not ashamed about the way they dress. They're not ashamed about the way they talk. You know, at least when I was growing up, man, there were, we talked like sailors just got off the, the boat. I mean, we used every cuss word you could say. But when a lady was in or an older person was around, man, I zipped it. I didn't talk that way. I didn't talk that way. But, man, we go out. When, like I said, when we're out at the lake, we're at Walmart, where we're at, man, they talk like filthy trash. I was at a basketball game with my wife. I was at a Mavericks game with my wife. The guy that was sitting next to me, he got mad at me because I was rooting for the other team. And I was mad at him because he was rooting for the other team. Well, he started cussing and saying all kinds of words. So after the game, I was pretty mad because we lost. So I, I said something to him. I said, man, I don't appreciate the way you're talking in front of my wife. Well, you shouldn't bring your wife to the game. I'm like, okay, God, look, look, look back. I'm going to punch you. No shame. No shame. No shame. Man, I, I could go off on this stuff here, man. I mean, this time we're living in, I, I don't know how a preacher can't preach this stuff. Pride events. This whole country is full of pride. We're going to have pride events. Pride coming before destruction. The Bible has nothing good to say about pride. Oh, we're full of pride. Go right on to hell. You're gonna be go, go right on. You're going to hell that way. Yeah. Amen. I don't, take any, I don't take any real pleasure in saying that, but I don't appreciate you calling me an idiot either and saying I'm dumb and saying I'm I'm hateful. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Boy, I, I got off on a rabbit trail there, didn't I? Lost half of y'all. Galatians chapter 5. I'm closing. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 17. Hey. We're going to read this together, but as we read this together, guys, go home and read this alone. Go home and just just read from verses 17 all the way through verse 26 of Galatians chapter 5. Go home and read this. Go home and read it again. Read it in the morning. Read it at lunch. Read it at night. Just read over it and meditate on it and pray about it and say, Lord, show me what you want me to know. Help me out, Lord. I want to understand these things. I know Brother Keegan said this and Brother Keegan said that, but I want to know it. Lord, I want to get to know I want to understand that victorious life. I want you to work through me. I don't want to be a sinner anymore, Lord. I'm sick of sinning. I'm sick of living this life. I want to live a victorious life, Lord. I want to live a life of reckoning and a life of yielding. Verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And the spirit against the flesh—you got war going on. See, now that you're a Christian, Christ is living in you. Christ says, "Come over here. I want you to do this. I want to do this through you." And your flesh is like, "No, let's go over here. That's a lot more fun over here. We can get into all kinds. of..." Oh, I love it. That's—it's the flesh and it's the spirit, and they're against each other. And the spirit against the... Flesh. And these are contrary—the one to the other—that ye cannot, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. You want to do this? You want to read more Bible? You want to live a more Christian life? You want to do those things that Christ would be happy with? Boy, you want to, but you can't. Why? Because the flesh is pulling on you. It's pulling on you. Verse 18, but if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Guys, we're doing these things. The Holy Spirit's doing those things through us, not because it's a law that we have to. He's doing it through us because we love Jesus Christ. Because we want to, not because we're told to. Verse 19. Now, if you yield to the flesh, if you yield to unrighteousness, verses 19 and 20 is going to show you, and 21 is going to show you exactly what you're going to get. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. This is when you yield to the flesh. Which are these? He's going to name them. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is... Unclean sexual acts like what you're seeing going on in the world today in June Pride Month. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. That's all the works of the flesh. And that's what happens when you yield to the flesh. That's what's going to bring about. That's the fruit it brings about. That's the works it brings about. And such like. And look at what Paul says, Of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You'll lose your inheritance. Yeah, you're a child of God in here, and you love Jesus Christ, and you're saved. Yeah, you got a place in heaven, but you've got an inheritance too, and you're going to lose it living like that. If you keep yielding your life, yielding your life to sin in the flesh, you're going to lose those inheritance. You're going to lose your rewards. The prodigal son... He went off, and he took the, his inheritance, and he blew it on women. He blew it on the living and life. He was partying it up. And then when he got into his right mind, he said, I'll go back to my father's house. He comes back to his father's house. The father runs out. He hugs him. He kisses him. Kill the fatted calf. My son who's lost is now found. Oh, he brings back in his son. And the other son is mad. Remember? The other brother's mad. It's like, you never killed the fatted calf for me. And what does the father say? The father says, everything I have is yours. But this, our son has come back. What does that tell you? That tells you, you got some Christians that are living out in the world right now, and yeah, they got a place at the house, they got a father that's waiting for them, but they have no inheritance. You can live however you want to live, Christian, but I'm telling you, in the end for eternity, you're going to lose some inheritance. You're going to lose some rewards in the millennial kingdom. That's for sure. Look at verse 22 now. Here's the flip side of it. But the fruit of the Spirit... Does that say the fruit of our body? It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's nine of them there. Against such there is no law. This life of yielding is not a life of suppression. It's a life of expression. This life of yielding is not a life of Suppression, it's a life of expression. What do I mean by that? See, people think, okay, I'm a Christian now. i got to stop hating. i got to stop doing this. i got to stop doing that. No, what the Christian life is, it's not, your stop, you don't, it's not a life of stopping hating. It's a life of love. Listen, you can't do hate and love at the same time. You can't serve two masters. Correct? So it's not like I'm going to stop hating. It's like, no, I'm going to let Jesus Christ through the Spirit love. It's not a life of suppression, I'm going to suppress this and suppress that. No, it's a life of expressing what God wants you to express out of you. It's an abundant life. See, that's where people who aren't Christians don't get it. They see Christians, are like, well, you don't get to do this, and you don't get to do that, and you don't get to do that. They think it's a life of suppression, but it's not a life of suppression. Yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to go out drinking. I don't want to get drunk anymore. I want to live in church. I want to sing praises of Jesus Christ. I want to love on people. It's in a more abundant life. I'm doing something. They're thinking we're not doing anything, but we're not getting to do all the fun stuff. That's not fun to me. I don't want to do that anymore. That old man is dead. I've got a new life in Jesus Christ. And boy, it's so much better. It's a life of yielding. And yielding means allowing the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22, allowing Jesus Christ to do it through you. It's a life of expression, not suppression. You're on this side, and I know you this morning. I know you like the back of my hand, because I know you because you're like me. I can't not... I can't forgive him. I can't forgive her. I can't love him. I can't love her. you said it. You've thought it. And you know Jesus wants you to. And what Jesus Christ is trying to tell you there in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, is I know you can't, but I can. And if you'll yield to me, I'll do it for you. Christian, you can't stop hating them. But through Jesus Christ, you can love them. You might stand over here and say, I can't love them, Pastor. No, you can't. But Jesus Christ in you can. I can't forgive them. I know you can't forgive them. But Jesus Christ in you can. It's a life of Christ. It's a life allowing Him get out of the way, yield to Him, and allow Him to work in you and get the glory. So whenever you, whenever you yield and say, Lord, and pray this way. Pray, Lord, I can't forgive them. But Lord, I know you want me to, Lord Jesus. I know that's what you want. So please fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Love them for me. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. You'll be amazed what happens When you say, Lord, I want you to do it. Because I can't. We don't like that. Because you know what that means? we got to admit, I can't do it, I can't, I don't. And us men, we're so prideful, we don't like saying that. But Jesus Christ said, you can't, you can't do it, but I can through you. What happens in the end? What happens in the end is this. Jesus, you get all the glory. (laughs) Because it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 in closing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul says, quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. So what happens is, is we don't yield to God and we yield to the flesh and the Holy Spirit gets quenched. Quench is like you would t- on a, turn on a faucet, have a faucet, and you just kind of crank it down a little bit, and you crank it down till it's trickling, till it's trickling. That's what's happening. And you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you. You say, man, Brother Keegan, I, I just know I just, where way I can forgive them. I know you can't. You've got to get that Holy Spirit to flow in. You've got to not quench. You've got to yield and say, Lord Jesus, please help me. I yield to you. I yield to you. Please, Lord Jesus, through me, forgive them, Lord Jesus. And you'll be amazed when you don't quench the Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you. You'll, be do, you'll do some things, and you'll say some things, and you'll love on people you never thought you could love. And it's through Jesus Christ. Do you want a victorious life? You live a life of reckoning. I'm dead. That old man's dead. And I'm dead to sin. And you live a life of yielding. Lord, I'm not going to do it anymore. Listen, we don't like this because we want to do the work. We want to be part of it. We want to get our hands dirty. God says, I don't want your hands on it. You let it go. You yield to me. And allow me to work through you. Because the fruit of the Spirit are those things. If you come this other way, the works of the flesh, I read them to you, is no good. Boy, you can have it, you can have it, Christian, if you allow Jesus Christ to do it. Are Are you willing? Are you willing? You want an abundant life? Allow Jesus Christ to give it to you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you give us abundant life. Lord, I can't thank you enough, Lord, that It's amazing to thank, Lord, that I don't earn salvation. You give me a new life, and then you live it for me, Lord, and then you give me rewards for allowing me to live it through me. Lord, you're just amazing in every way. I can't even comprehend that, Lord God, but I know you want to live it through me, Lord, and I know you get the honor and glory out of it, and I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that lives in us, Lord God. I pray, Father, we wouldn't quench you. We do those things to, feel, to feed your spirit, Lord God. We read the Bible, Lord. We listen to good, good gospel music, Lord God. We would do those things we know the spirit wants to hear, Lord God. And the things of flesh desires, Lord, we try to keep those down and not feed the flesh, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that you'll give us wisdom that way, Lord. And I pray, Father, if somebody in here is fighting a sin, Lord, that they've been fighting for years and years, Lord, I pray, Father, they just yield to you and allow you, Lord God, to do it for them, Lord God. And get the victory. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Kegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at indiangapbaptist.com. On the internet, it's indiangapbaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. upon him